Well, hey, whether you stumbled onto my podcast or you've been a longtime listener, I'm glad you're listening. What is this podcast all about? Well, it's about people just like me, just like you, about age 60, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, but you, like me, are trying to figure out how you're going to do life for this next 10, 20, 30 years. How are you going to stay healthy? What are you going to eat? Are you going to exercise? How are you going to do the things you really, really want to do in retirement? Uh, But most importantly, things that I think about go along these lines. How am I going to avoid assisted living? How am I going to maintain my independence? How am I going to enjoy life to its fullest until God says my time is done? Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Pushing 60 Aside. I am your host, Gene Fleming, recording here in my hometown of Fort Payne, Alabama. Now, where in the world is Fort Payne? Well, if you look at the map of the state of Alabama, we're kind of in the northeast corner, but not quite as far north as you can go. I can get to Georgia in about 20 minutes, maybe 15 on a good day. And uh, so that's where we're located. We're right at the foot of Lookout Mountain. And uh, I woke up this morning to a bald eagle in my front yard. Isn't that neat? You know, it doesn't happen every day, but uh, we're always glad to see the eagles when they drop by. And uh, I think they stopped by to get a snack out of the lake. And uh, so, you know, here we are. Here we are. I told Kathleen this morning, and for those of you that don't know Kathleen, Kathleen is my wife. We're about to uh, celebrate our, oh geez, 15th anniversary. 15 years we've been a couple, and and we're going to celebrate it on Valentine's Day. Isn't that special? And I think back to uh, our, our wedding night, and I was so sick on our wedding night that we had our wedding ceremony and then we just went home. <laughs> Fortunately, I got better. And, you know, and I hope she thinks it's fortunate that 15 years later, we're still what I'd like to say or call a happily married couple. And, uh, you know, we're not special. We're, we're like other couples. We rub each other wrong every once in a while. But anyway, I was, I was telling Kathleen the other, uh, just today, not the other day, Today, I was telling Kathleen, I said, sometimes I think something is wrong with me or maybe there's something different about me because I seem to, well, obsess a little bit about numbers. Now, I'm not good in math. I mean, I can keep a checkbook. I can figure percentages and things like that, but... uh, you know, one of the traits that I had to be in my initial adult career was, uh, you know, I had to be good at noticing details in, 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 the, in the world of cryptology and in doing intelligence work. You know, you're supposed to be the guy that finds the needle in the haystack. You're supposed to see things that stand out that are different, that don't make sense, that are in places where they're not supposed to be. And, uh, so I have followed the numbers on COVID-19 in my own county. 
of course, I hear the national numbers, and you know, my heart is truly aching, um, as 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 big as it can for people everywhere who've lost loved ones to COVID nineteen. But I like to hear what people around me are saying and and how they feel about it. And sometimes I find out that how I feel about COVID-19 and how they feel about COVID-19 are, are, are night and day. You know, like, I feel like this about the vaccine. As soon as I'm eligible, I'm getting it, you know, and I don't care which manufacturer it came from. If it keeps me from ending up in a hospital with a tube rammed into my chest or into my lungs on a ventilator, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to get the vaccine. And, uh, you know, and so the, the big issue now is the, the variants of the virus that are being discussed. And, and a lot of people are confused about what, what, what happens. Well, we know that viruses mutate. They change. Um, you know, they are a living entity without a brain, and their goal is to thrive and survive. And if they get into an environment that's not 100% favorable, they can adapt uh, themselves to survive in the new environment. And so anyway, and somebody was talking to me the other day and said, well, I just can't believe they're going to want us to take this vaccine. And, um, and now there's this new strain of uh, the virus that's out there. Um, and they're not 100% sure if the shots we're going to get are going to protect us from these new variations of the COVID virus. And, uh, and we, we know that, you know, we've been getting flu shots every year. Um, you know, the Navy made us take the flu shots. It wasn't optional. We were lined up and we all got injected, whether we believed in vaccines or didn't believe in vaccines. But, you know, when you've got to get a, a ship underway and be ready to do warfare if necessary, you can't have a, a third of a 600-person crew in their racks with, uh, you know, 104-degree temperatures with the flu. We, we just can't, you can't do that. And so we all got vaccinated, and most of the time we didn't have, well, we certainly didn't have any flu outbreaks. And you think, well, okay, I'm vaccinated, and uh, I should be good. And But the thing is that the flu virus continually mutates. And so the vaccine I got last year for the flu will not be good enough for next year. You know, it because that virus itself has probably yet mutated to a new strain. And so next year, I'll have to get another flu shot. And the next year after that, just like I've been doing since, I guess, probably the early 1980s when the Navy um, mandated flu shots for all of us. I strongly suspect, and I'm not a virologist, I'm not a doctor, don't pretend to be one, but I am a student of the science in that I understand how these things work for the most part. I understand how they mutate. 
I understand why they mutate, and I understand that um, with every mutation, the sicknesses we get from them can be about the same, less, or worse. And what I do know is that vaccination, even if I got vaccinated for the flu this past year, which I did in late September, even if that strain of the flu that they were anticipating upon which that vaccine was built, if we get a different strain from that same type flu virus, I will have some protection from that now mutated um, virus. And I'm hoping that's how it plays out with the COVID-19 vaccines. I don't know. You know, it, we're, we're at an awkward place, medically speaking, and uh, everything is just coming out of trials. People are just now getting vaccinated. It's going to take a season or two of, of dealing with this to find out for sure, 100%, how effective the vaccines are and whether or not uh, COVID-19 vaccines become an annual event for all of us. And, and once it does, I'm sure, uh, at least I have confidence, that all this rigmarole that we've gone through uh, here in the United States trying to get people vaccinated, uh, because this is a new norm and distribution has been uh, difficult and, and, and staffing and supplies. Well, I'm sure if COVID-19 becomes like our typical seasonal flu that we get that uh, in the years to come you know September October I'll be going and getting my annual COVID-19 it probably won't be 19 by then but I'll be getting an annual COVID vaccine and I'll probably be getting an annual flu vaccine and so if this thing pans out like it normally does with viruses of this type coronaviruses uh, then you know, that, that's probably what's going to be happening in the next two to three years. Um, we as just everyday people, me and you, whether we're high school graduates or college graduates or just everyday people, professional people, laborers, whatever we are, you know, we're not supposed to understand this at the depths. We're supposed to understand it as a protocol in... Uh, helping to prevent disease and saving our lives. Our job and our only concern should be getting vaccinated as soon as we can with a vaccine that offers us the greatest degree of protection. So I wanted to, I wanted to wrap on that just for a minute, you know. Uh, once again, like always, I'm not asking you to agree with me on this philosophy. Uh, because that's what it is. It's a philosophy. It's an idea. It's a way of looking at it and knowing that if you're listening to this and, and you're like me or not, and uh, you've gotten the flu vaccine or not, but you understand how that has worked over the decades prior to now. And, uh, and, and you know, and I know that people still have hard feelings one way or the other about getting flu shots. This last year, this past fall, in the fall of 2020, 
I chose to also get the Prevnar 13 vaccine for pneumonia. Why? Because, believe it or not, I was a person who was in congestive heart failure for a number of years. And, uh, and because of that, I do have some risk factor. You know, damage gets done to our bodies whether we lose weight and get in shape or not. Damage was done. And so, in discussion with my doctor, normally it would be age 65 when you would even consider getting the, the, uh, the pneumonia vaccine. But because I have had a kind of a, <laughs> a scattered health history in the last 20 years, uh, we agreed it was a good idea for me to get the, uh, the, uh, the pneumonia vaccine. Sorry for stammering and stuttering because this is not how I talk all the time and these are not things I talk about all the time. So sometimes I have to kind of weave my way through the discussion. So I ask you to bear with me on that. So, and I, the same day I got my Prevnar 13 uh, pneumonia vaccination, I also got my flu shot. And, you know, I have not had the flu since 1998 and I've taken a flu shot every year. And I've been a very social per person, um, you know, at work, with my family, with church, with everything that I've always done, uh, playing golf with friends. And I've somehow managed to not have the flu for 22 years. Guess what happened in 98 when I did get the flu? I did not get my flu shot that, that, that fall prior to flu season because I was out of the Navy, and I was like, well, they can't make me take that shot anymore, so I didn't, and son of a gun, that year, I got the flu, and oh my God, was I sick. <laughs> oh, I was so sick. You know, it was one of those times when you're so sick, you just say, God, if you want to take me now, I'm okay with it. You know, just let me go to sleep here. And, you know, because I, I hurt so bad and I was so, so very sick. And, you know, I had a fever of like 104, 105. And you just talk about absolute misery. Why am I talking about COVID again? Well, because one of the things, it's, it's a subject of the day. And another thing, it's uh, uh, it really hit home this last week. This past Friday, I had to attend a funeral. A friend of mine's brother died. The brother was in long-term care. And he was 81, and his roommate somehow contracted COVID, although they're supposed to be in a secure facility with all the caregivers wearing masks and following all the standard protocols. And, um, you know, and about a week later, uh, my friend's brother died rather suddenly. Now, we don't know 100% for sure whether or not it was COVID-related, or it was just his Parkinson's disease, but nonetheless, he was gone. And Friday, I attended his funeral and ended up being a pallbearer. So this is the first time I've gone to a large gathering-type funeral uh, since uh, the pandemic began, and uh, and I went for my friend. He's he's about to turn 93, and uh, and you know we talk just about every day or two on the phone. And I would consider him and in, in, in the top four or five friends that I have, period. And, um, you know, there's nothing in this world that I wouldn't tell him. 
or share with him, and I would never be too busy for him at any time of day or night. So at the funeral, I got to observe a gathering of people uh, from many places. You know, I know the 65 or 70 people that were there were not all from the same household. I knew many of the people that were there because uh, my friend has a lot of friends in this county, and, and some of them are affiliated with the senior center, so we, we all know each other. And uh, most everybody was wearing a mask, but uh, here's some things I just observed, and I just want to tell you this because I want to make you think about uh, how easy it is to be unintentionally careless with regard to your own um, defenses against COVID-19. Here's some things that happened at the funeral that uh, I, I, you know, uh, I'm still reeling in my mind seeing these things. Um, uh, people hugged cheek to cheek. Well, that's an absolute no. Uh, people pulled their mask down to talk to other people, and, and, and that's a no. Um, the funeral director passed around a, a guest register for all of us to sign, and we passed it person to person through the crowd. And this was not inside a building. This was outdoors. Okay, so that was one good thing. But uh, the, the guest book that we were all to sign, we all shared the same pen. Uh, that's a no. That's a no. Every person in that crowd signed with that same pen, then passed the pen to the next person. So when it got time for me to sign, I asked the lady next to me, since she had already handled the pen, if she would please sign my name for me. And she did. Does that make me sound extreme? Maybe just a little bit. But you know what? Uh, we're going into a year now of living under the threat of this infection. And as far as I know, I've kept myself clean and infection-free from COVID-19. So if this little bit of extra caution is part of what plays into my system of taking care of myself and protecting myself and in turn protecting my wife from the virus, well, I'll just, you know, call me paranoid. It, it, it didn't hurt to have that lady sign my name. It's not like there was going to be a signature verification process after the funeral. Uh, so anyway, uh, so those were some of the things that, oh, and people shaking hands. And uh, I had several people try to shake hands with me. And of course, I was wearing my mask and I just stuck my elbow out there and said, uh, maybe after this virus is over, but until then, all you get's an elbow. And, and you know, and people kind of laugh and, and they might think I'm a jerk, you know. But, um, you know, it, these are people I don't necessarily know. And, and I might do something like uh, pick my nose, I, I'd like to think I wouldn't, or rub my eyes and transfer the virus that person has to me inadvertently, you know. So I, I, I'm just playing it as careful as I can. After the service was dismissed, and by the way, it was an hour-long service standing, and, uh, and, and it was cold, and it was windy, Fortunately, the sun was shining, 
But when I got to my car, the first thing I did was remove my mask and I threw it in the floorboard of my car. I got my hand sanitizer and I wiped everything that was exposed, namely my hands, front and back. Uh, because that's what I always do now. It's just the standard protocol. If I go in the grocery store, buy my groceries, I check out, take my groceries to the car, get in the car, I sanitize my hands, and anything that I have touched getting into the car, like the handle by which I close my door with, is there a possibility that I have prevented myself from getting coronavirus through these almost obsessive compulsive behaviors? I don't know. I'm here. I'm healthy. I'm alive. I'm not infected. I haven't had to be tested for the virus. So I'm just going to say that if I'm wrong um, and, and excessive, I'm wrong and excessive in the ways that are keeping me healthy. And, you know, do we never eat out? Well, we go through the drive-thru. Is there a risk affiliated with going through a drive-thru? Yeah, of course there is. But um, fortunately, they've gotten better about the handoff of food. But my credit card still gets handled. And you know what? Call me extreme. But when they hand that credit card back to me, especially if the person inside the window has handled it barehanded or even with gloves on, I, I sanitize that, that credit card. And that, that, that sounds like I'm paranoid. Okay. Maybe I am, but it has worked so far. And um, so, in a phone call with a another individual this week, and I didn't know this, but uh, she and her entire family have had COVID. Her daughter, who is younger than me, still has ongoing symptoms a month or so after getting infected and required hospitalization. Wow, her. Or at least a trip to the emergency room. And uh, so, you know, there's an aspect of this COVID infection called long haulers syndrome where people don't have the high fever anymore and they don't have congestion in their lungs. They don't have pneumonia-type symptoms, but they have other conditions uh, such as weakness. They still have a loss of, uh, they have brain fog. They have... Um, uh, low energy levels. There's a number of things that are showing up and being called long haulers syndrome that are directly related to COVID-19 infection. You know, I don't want that either. You know, I don't want what COVID gives, what it takes, what it brings, what it leaves. I don't want any of it. So I'm going to continue doing my best to protect myself and my family uh, where COVID-19 is concerned. Um, so, and, and most disturbingly here in the news lately, I've seen more cases of people in their 40s that are dying from the virus. And I know sometimes on the news, we only see the dr dramatic cases of things, but, you know, nobody is invincible. And, and I've heard some awful things said by some people I thought were pretty nice. Um, they say things like, well, most of them that are dying are just old. They were going to die anyway. Well, that hurts my heart to hear people talk like that because old people are precious to me. 
you know, old people are, are, are the reason I train and the reason that I teach classes and the reason I make phone calls is because old people count. You know, there's somebody's grandma, somebody's wife, somebody's husband. Um, uh, they're lonely. They have feelings. They they enjoy their quality of life when and where they can. And um, and I'm taking notes from the people that are doing it very well into their late 80s and 90s. And, you know, and I'm watching what they do. And, uh, and I want to be like them. Okay, well, that's chapter one of tonight's podcast. And, uh, you know, you've got to take care of yourself. I've always said on this podcast, you are doctor number one in your life. And you are ultimately responsible for doing what you can to protect yourself, not just from COVID-19, but from all disease. And, uh, you know, I've never had to worry about sexually transmitted disease because I don't cheat on my wife. So you, you see there, the protection is built in. If you don't do it, you can't get sick. If I don't go to a big gathering of people for a political rally or go to a concert or a bar or a, or, or a big birthday bash or a family reunion or a class reunion or anything like that, I'm not going to get sick with COVID from those events. And um, am I bored? You bet I'm bored. Am I ready to get out of this house? You know it. Am I ready to get back in the gym? I'm just going to double time on that. Yes, yes. Uh, because this is this is not fun living. We're making do. We spend a lot of time together. We get on each other's nerves. Uh, fortunately, Nobody stays mad because we realize and understand the nature of our circumstances and realize that most of this is out of our control um, unless we just want to be willy-nilly and mix and mingle and, and take risk and possibly end up very, very sick or die from it. We choose not to do that. We love each other enough to say, okay, let's find something to do, and we do it. And uh, so anyway, that's enough about that. The next thing I want to talk about tonight is uh, hurt feelings. Uh, hurt feelings. And uh, I've shared this on a podcast a couple of years ago about some of the things that I went through when, um, and it sounds like I'm going to confession or something here, but some of the things I went through as I lost weight um, were reverse mirror images of things I went through before I lost weight. Before I lost weight, my family always um, talked to me about my weight, and they did so in a disparaging fashion. And, um, and you know, and you could count on it. If I went to visit certain members of my family, somebody was going to poke me in the gut and tell me I was fat. Well, you didn't have to tell me I was fat. I knew I was, I knew I was obese. Uh, but it still hurt my feelings, you know, because I'm a human being. And I was self-conscious about my weight already. But, uh, and, and sometimes I think people think they're encouraging us when they give us negative criticism. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, and the studies back me up, negative criticism or shaming never really motivates anybody 
to lose weight. And it oftentimes causes people despair at the level that they overeat and self-sabotage. And, or maybe they try a diet and, and it fails, and then they feel like a failure. They internalize all that, and they say, well, I can't enjoy anything else. I might as well eat, and they do. And, um, and so they get everything that comes with that series of hurt feelings and being shamed and the emotional drain of it all, and, and then they expound and expand on the problem uh, without ever getting to a point where they can help themselves. And we know that a lot of people made New Year's resolutions this year. Uh, they always do. Uh, most often that's to get in shape or, or to lose some weight or to try a new diet or, or any of those things. And we know that m most people that do that uh, don't succeed at it. In fact, uh, there's an estimation of about 40 to 60 percent uh, never even uh, commit to a week of their New Year's resolution. You know, it's a good idea when the, when the ball is dropping and the countdown is happening and the new year arrives and people have great intentions and those intentions are often born out of disappointments that they have with themselves. They look in the mirror, they don't like the way they look, um, they're not satisfied with the way their clothes fit, they're, they're not satisfied with their physical ability to do everyday things without getting exhausted or are getting hurt, and uh, and so then January the second rolls around, and and the third and the fifth, and by the tenth, most people are done with any effort that they made at all toward achieving their New Year's resolution of fitness, regular workouts, weight loss, daily walking, uh, giving up tobacco, giving up uh, uh, alcohol, whatever their resolution was. Uh, most people do not get to the 10th day. And some people just never start. You know, it's a good idea in the moment. And maybe they poured a lot of thought into it thinking, I really, really need to do, you know, this. I, I really need to shed 25 pounds, 40 pounds, 50 pounds, however much weight it is. I really need to start exercising five days a week. But five days is just overwhelming. Um, even today, somebody told me that uh, that when he was working, uh, still working full time, that he could not have done in fitness what he's done since he retired. And I believe that 100%. Um, there's been times in my life where some days I pulled 20-hour days and I mean, when are you going to go to the gym when you're when you've pulled a 20 hour day, you know, you, you you're walking in post holes all the time anyway. So you're exhausted. But I wanted to talk to talk to you some about hurt feelings and uh, tonight because, um, you know, I got my feelings hurt the other day. A person that I had not seen for a long time told me first thing, first thing, not, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. You know, none of that. The first thing he said was, uh, you look like you've gained weight. I thought about that quite a bit, enough so that I'd mentioned it on this podcast. And, uh, you know, because I'm going to tell you, 
the struggle has never ceased, not one day. Yeah, you know, I've, I lost a lot of weight, over 100 pounds. Yay me. That was great. Uh, it was hard. It took me three years to do it. And I've kept it off for the most part for the last six, six and a half years. But when this person said this to me, I had flashbacks of when I was 15, 20 years younger. And the first thing my family did is every time they saw me, they were going to tell me how to lose weight. They were going to tell me that I was uh, too heavy for my height. They were going to tell me that my jeans didn't look like they fit anymore. Um, all the while thinking that was going to motivate me to uh, do something about it. And um, so I got my feelings hurt. You know, are guys supposed to get their feelings hurt? Mm, we do. We just don't generally talk about it. And people say hurtful things to us, and we just we just pack it in with the rest of the garbage we've been carrying all our lives. And and you know, so I thought about what is the right response to somebody who says something to me like that. And here's some of the things they said when I was losing weight. One fella in Tennessee says and this was after I'd lost about 40 or 50 pounds. And I'm going to tell you, folks, I was so proud of myself. I mean, I wasn't walking around gloating about it, but I was, you know, I'd never lost 50 pounds before, and so I was really happy. He said to me, you look like you lost some weight since last year. I hope you're not done. Bam! Like a knife through the heart. I said, you jerk! Can't you just be happy for me? Just Can't you just just say, hey, man, you've done a good job. Uh, whatever you're doing, you're looking better, and, and uh, you know, I'm happy for you. But people don't say things like that often, and there's a lot of reasons why. You know, maybe there's uh, jealousy issues. Maybe there's, uh, I don't know, maybe their own history. But um, my mother, God rest her soul, Every time I saw her the last 10 years she was alive, she was going to tell me how to cook to lose weight. When, and, you know, how to broil this and how to bake that and how to steam this and, you know, what should be in my refrigerator and so on and so forth. And, uh, and I listened because she was my mama. And when your mama's talking, you listen. But um, it's hard to receive the advice from somebody who is morbidly obese and and doesn't practice what they preach, you see. And uh, even though it was my mama, I'd say, well, that sounds like a good idea. But really all I got was my feelings hurt, you know, because why couldn't we talk about anything else besides my weight? Why is my weight the subject in the room? Uh, I didn't bring it up. I didn't walk in and say, fat boy's home, you know. No, nothing like that. So it often bothered me that uh, people um, will focus on how much we weigh uh, and and comment on it and and feel they have the liberty to do so and uh, and if you're losing weight or trying to lose weight have lost weight people will continue to ask you about your weight loss uh, even after you've met your goal they will continue to want to know numbers. And um, I think uh, my friend out in Valley Head and I, uh, we, we kind of discovered this together. 
people wanted to know how much she lost. And, and so we talked about this. We, we, we talked about it at length. The reason this woman wanted to know how much she, my client had lost uh, was because that's good gossip. So that when she talked to another mutual friend, she would have the inside number, you know. Well, she's lost, you know, you know, X number of pounds. Hmm. And then they'd have, that'd be the, the inside road for conversation and speculation about, was she going to lose any more? Is she going to gain it back? You know, you know, just stuff like that. And so people's motivations in asking you about your weight loss or what you're eating or, you know, oftentimes those conversations just open up into uh, windows to criticize what you're doing. Frankly, even as a trainer with, a, with additional certifications in nutrition, I don't care how you lose and manage your weight as long as you're not eating unhealthily and starving yourself to death in an attempt to lose one more pound. Uh, you know, you can go keto, you can go vegan, you can go vegetarian, uh, you know, uh, you can uh, just count calories, you can do intermittent fasting. That doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is your health. But the minute you tell somebody, well, I'm doing keto, they're going to start picking you apart. You tell them you're doing intermittent fasting, they tell you 10 reasons why that wouldn't work for them. And so I'm just throwing this out there to those of you that have gone through some level of transformation so that you know that no matter how proud you are of yourself, no matter how successful you have been, no matter how many uh, miles you have walked in the hot, humid air in Sims, Alabama, or Fort Payne, Alabama, um, it doesn't it doesn't matter uh, as long as you're proud of yourself, but I'm cautioning, cautioning you, don't open windows for the busybodies that just want to pick you, pick you apart and tell you why that's bad for you or why they couldn't do that or why you shouldn't eat this or that because everybody knows all the answers, although they're doing none of them, you know. Uh, you know, and, and so I found out early on that this transformation process is often a very lonely one. You know, fortunately, I've had the, the good, really the good fortune to have people locally who were as eager to transform as I was, and we walked thousands literally thousands of miles together. We climbed mountains together. We lifted weights together. Uh, you know, we we did step aerobics together, didn't we, Deb? We did all kind of things together. But you know what? And we weighed in together, too. And, um, and we did tape measuring together. We stretched together. We did all these things together, but... There was no element of criticism or judgment among us 
and how we chose to do what we were doing. Uh, we had good science. We ate good food. We got plenty of protein. We kept the calories in check. And we busted our butts until we hit and or reached uh, our goals and we're in the spot where we were now just maintaining what we had achieved. And I'm going to tell you, maintaining is hard. Every winter, I feel like just a little bit of a failure. Just a little bit. Because it is beyond me why November, December, and maybe halfway through January, I gain six, eight pounds. I don't feel like I'm doing much different, but I know that weather is keeping me from doing as much exercise and outdoor activity as I did. But the problem is still in the kitchen. I'm obviously eating more, and I'm moving less, and I'm gaining some fat. It just happens. But I know this is a cycle of mine, and I know that when the weather starts to warm a little bit, that I will pick back up and I will buckle down and I will get back into the routine that keeps me lean and mean and a fighting machine for my health. And that's what this is all about. Um, am I ever going to be skinny? Nah, nah, that's never going to happen. I'm not going to I'm not going to be some rail thin, wiry guy. I don't have the bones for that. Uh, you know, um, I, I, I've got what the good Lord blessed me with as far as anatomy goes. Um, but I do have the ability to to stack on some weight, and um, and I have to watch it. I'm never going to get to a place where I don't have to be conscious of what my weight is doing and where it's going. And I also have to be conscious of what I have to do to get things back in check. So today we talked about two things. We talked about things that I've observed with coronavirus and things that I do, things that you might do, things that might sound awfully familiar to you, um, how easy it is to make uh, errors, mistakes, lapses in judgment, uh, a handshake, uh, passing a ballpoint pen around, uh, pulling a mask down to speak to somebody. Um, it's easy to understand uh, how easy it is to make those mistakes. And I just want you to live. That's all I've ever wanted was for you to live and be healthy and to uh, enjoy life wherever you live, whether that's Canada or Kentucky or Alabama or Iowa. I want you to live and be healthy doing the things you enjoy doing. We worked awfully hard to get to 60 and beyond, um, and we want to enjoy these years, and we don't want to give any of these years away. You know, my, you know, I have some bizarre goals. One of my goals is to never require surgery again. Hmm. Is, is that a possible goal to have? Well, I could fall and break a bone and have to have surgery, but I'm not talking about that. Um, you know, uh, I could possibly get a cancer and have to have some type of surgery for that. Uh, but, uh, as far as things that I can prevent, the wisest of doctors have said over and over again, 85% of everything that gets wrong with people could have been prevented through good 
diet, and exercise. 85%. 85%. That's a lot. Uh, we could have prevented type 2 diabetes. Could have prevented congestive heart failure. Uh, I could have prevented um, so many things that, that I've had using bad body mechanics, uh, lifting things that were too heavy. You know, if I'd have been exercising more, maybe I wouldn't have strained or sprained my back. If I'd have exercised more, maybe my balance would have been better. All sorts of things. Uh, but 85% of everything that's wrong with us as human beings could have been mitigated through healthy eating and exercise. Hey, folks, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, sometimes I sound like a, a rambling old guy, but I'm telling you, my heart's in this. I really want you to be healthy. And don't you let people get under your skin about your weight. I don't care if you're trying to lose or not. Uh, people are mean. The, the <laughs> sometimes I think they think they're trying to be helpful, but sometimes people are hurtful. Uh, and, and don't let them get you down. You do your thing. You do you. You do your thing. You do the best you can. You eat as healthy as you can where you live. And uh, you exercise as you can, uh, where you can, when you can, how you can. And do the best you can for you because we've pushed 60 aside. We're looking at 70 and beyond. And, uh, you know, we want to enjoy those years as much as we can. Until next podcast, may the good Lord bless you, keep you well, and we'll talk with you soon.